podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Voices of the Vic with me, Mike Duffy. And as you can see, tonight I am joined by Ben Aiton, who's, as you can see, he's walking back from Vicarage Road after a hard-fought 1-1 draw at home to Stoke City tonight. Uh, first things first, we hope you've all had an amazing Christmas. Ben, how you doing, mate? You all good? Had a good Christmas? Yeah, all good, thank you, mate. Yeah, can't complain about Christmas. Um, great to spend some time with the family. Obviously, working a lot this year, like everyone else. Uh, these days off, it's, it's very cherished um, to be spending with the family, especially when you've got young young kids as well. So, no, all good, thank you. How was your Christmas? All good? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. You, you get all that build-up and you know, months of listening to Christmas music, then it's over in a day. And yeah, um, luckily I'm one of the very lucky people that doesn't have to work from Christmas Day in between uh, New Year's Day. So I've been off and it's been wicked. So uh, yeah, plenty of football and plenty of sport to watch. And yeah, I mean, since we've actually last done a podcast, we've uh, we had a brilliant win up at Blackburn. Not so good boxing at home to Bristol City and then tonight against uh, Stoke. Now, just you're obviously diving straight into tonight, I'll just run through the team. Uh, it was Hamer in goal, James Morris left back, Hoot and Porteous centre back, Delhi Bashiru kept his place in right back. And then in midfield, you had Kone, Livermore, and Chat Madadzi coming in for his first start. Um, well, it was his first start at Vicarage Road. And then the front three was Espria, Martins and Bio up top. Now, a couple of changes from that disaster-filled day against Bristol City at home. What was your thoughts when the team news came out, Ben, tonight? Was you, was you happy with the changes? Positive enough for you? Well, we definitely needed to freshen it up because the game against um, uh, Bristol City, we just looked so fatigued. You could tell the boys put so much into those away games, um, mm. especially like Blackburn the week before. So you, you know he needed to fresh it out. Um, so no complaints really other than Tom Daddy starting a right back. I think if you've got Ryan Andrews, who's the only fit right back who's available and he's on the bench, Surely, if he's fit enough on the bench, he should be fit enough to start games. Um, and it's his position, isn't it? So, um, Tom Deddy was caught out a couple of times against Bristol City where they scored two goals from it. And I know we're going to dive into it in a bit, but I think he was partly to blame again tonight down that right-hand side. So that's the only one. I'm glad um, Georgie started. Um, you could see from his quality tonight um, that, that, that confidence of that first goal last week against Bristol City was brilliant. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was pleased other than that. Good, yeah. I, likewise, I mean, I, I, we were saying in our group chat, I probably would have gone with Ken at left back and then put Martins over on the on the left in 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 attack. But we actually saw James Morris coming for his first game since September. They said so. I was worried that might happen, and it did happen. But fair play to Morris. I thought he had a really, really strong game tonight. And um, yeah. he's, you know, he's, I felt a bit sorry for him because, you know, he was playing and yeah, he, you know, lots of question marks over him as a player still at the moment and he's still got a lot to learn. But Lewis come in and really made that left-back position his own. That completely pushed Morris out of the team, out of the squad even some weeks. 
and uh, and yeah, he's come back in today, and I thought he's he's done a brilliant job. I know he was struggling at the end with cramp. Hopefully, he'll be all right, and they they can wrap him up in cotton wool because they've got a long old journey down to Plymouth. I'm, I'm assume they'll be making the journey in two days' time on the Sunday. But uh, yeah, I mean, real big shout out to Morris there. Now, Ben, bear in mind we had such a bad result against Bristol City. Twitter was sort of mixed emotions place after that. A lot of people saying, see, we knocked the finished article, maybe brought us back down to reality. And then other people saying, look, it's a minor blip in the road and, you know, these games are going to happen and they're not too worried about it. So tonight really was the game to be like, right, okay, was Boxing Day a one-off and we're going to get back to it today? Or are we going to maybe, we've had a brilliant run, are we going to maybe go on a bit of a a, a worse run, I think? Um, that first 10 minutes, Ben, for me, watching at home, I don't know what it felt like in the ground, how the crowd reacted, but it was very shaky start. At the back, we just looked like it was complete, like, chaos at times at the back and we just couldn't get a pattern of play going and was there a feeling from you guys sitting in the ground thinking uh-oh we could be in trouble here well I thought we started the game exactly how we finished against Bristol City um, very sloppy at the back opened up um, you could tell that confidence was knocked after the defeat of Bristol City um, couldn't string any balls together and there was a couple of times where it was um, Porteous and Hoot was passing between themselves and Hamer, and Hamer would maybe knock it out for a throw-in, which was pinning ourselves back as well. So it, it was a frustrating start. I think it was probably for about 10 minutes, wasn't it? Or so mm. um, very sloppy from Watford. Um, but then we slowly grew into the game a little bit, didn't we? And had a couple of opportunities, which maybe confidence was flying then after that. But it was... It was a frustrating start and you you want to start games on the up, don't you? You want to be on top. You want to put pressure on the opposition. You're the home side, aren't you? You should be dominating possession, pinning back the oppositions. But it was it worked the other way around. It was um, State City doing it to Watford. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it was really vital that we made sure that we started well because too many times this season, I think that I can't remember the stat off the top of my head, but we'd... Um, We'd gone behind in games and then come back. And I think we're second in the league for points won after going behind. Only Leicester have won more than us. And it's not a great habit to get into. As, as brilliant as it is, you know, you go a goal down and you can still be confident and think, nah, it's all right, we'll get back in this. And, you know, there was a glimmer of that against Bristol City even because, um, you know, we, we pulled a goal back sort of early doors in the second half and we maybe thought, oh, OK, is it going to happen again? Yes, we were 2-0 down, but we were 2-0 down against Norwich. So it was pivotal that we really stopped that whole nonsense of going a goal behind because it's we, we've got to get it out of our system because as Boxing Day showed, we can't rely on coming back from a goal down and then kicking on and winning. Like I say, as great as it is. Now... As you say, we did sort of grow into the game a little bit more after that 10-minute spell and, and I felt that there were some really good passages of play and I thought we put Stoke under some pressure. But I think it was the story of the game, Ben, today and it's in the title, actually. I don't If anyone's watching, you'll see the title's called Wasteful Watford Take a Point Against Potters and we really were wasteful tonight, Ben, because the amount of maybe chances and half chances and 
you know, balls just weren't sticking and, you know, the amount of times that Martins maybe was played through and he just couldn't quite get there or Bio was played through and the ball was overhit. It really was one of them games tonight, wasn't it? Yeah, too many overhit passes, wasn't it? We we caught him on the counter on a few times. Um, Chapadesky was fantastic tonight, by the way. Yeah. Um, he, he found himself um, in between the lines of the um, Stoke City team. And that, that was, yeah, they struggled with that massively. But yeah, too many times and too many occasions that we, we got into really good positions and it was just that final ball just overhit or underhit. And it, it was frustrating, but... I did really like to see the energy from Martins on the right-hand side and Espria on the left-hand side because I, I thought that, that was causing them a lot of problems and that's where we was going to get the joy out of them tonight. I thought Bio was holding the ball up pretty well and linking up play as well. And, I, and and that's what he brings to the team, isn't it? That's what we lacked against Bristol City last week when Ryovic was up there. Um, we needed that focal point up top. But yeah, Georgie Chepfordaski was absolutely outstanding tonight and he he was pulling the strings in that midfield and he created a few good opportunities. It was just a shame that we wasted them. Yeah, absolutely. And Chapfordadzi was the man to to have a real big say in the, the, the first goal of the game. 15 minutes into the game, Chapfordadzi whips a corner in, Porteous runs to the near post, gets the flick on and there is Jake Livermore, the man that every Watford fan loves at the moment. He's really making a name for himself at the club. A lot of, you know, fans he's getting at Vicarage Road. And um, when he was subbed off not to jump the gun, I heard that the the reception he got was absolutely fantastic. And I'm delighted for Livermore because he does so much for the team on and off the pitch. And you see him on the sideline. I, I don't know if you would have seen it then because you would have been in the rockery. But watching, I think it was when Deli Bashiru won a foul on the halfway line or just before it near the end, Livermore ran over to the pitch, like really giving it the yes, like brilliant. And you know, he's a real cheerleader. So for him to score his first goal tonight, that was absolutely brilliant. And maybe Ben, we're seeing this new set piece coach who we've apparently got in from Tottenham, maybe starting to work his magic because a couple of times tonight we look like you know half dangerous on, on set pieces, which isn't usually like Watford. We we looked dangerous when um, James Morris wasn't taking a corner. Um, <laughs> the second half, his corners weren't great. Um, but yeah, you, you said exactly what I wanted to say. I think we're seeing the the impact from the set piece coach now because I think the last couple of weeks you could see it um, defensively we looked more solid from corners. There was a horrible stat uh, stat floating around a few weeks ago. I think it was when we was playing. Norwich City and we was conceded the most goals from set pieces since then we've hired the set pieces coach we've, we've shored up in that areas and that's brilliant because that was costing us massively and I think we conceded I don't, I don't quote me on it maybe eight or nine goals from set pieces which was the most in this championship so we knew we need to set, sort that out but obviously what he's going to bring as well it's not just defending corners it's going to be attacking corners as well um, so he's going to work on both sides and I think we could see that tonight I thought it was really good set piece routine from Watford great ball from Georgie Chapadesky and it's nice to see him actually beat the first man at, at a corner because you know when Ken Semma goes over it's it, he it takes three or four corners to warm up before he gets a good delivery into the box mm. Georgie first corner whipped it in fantastic area to pull it into there was Porteous running across his man to get the flick on and there was Jake Livermore um, to, to get the tap in and bundle it over the line and 
like you said, Mike, the reception he received tonight, it, it, it was it was well overdue. Um, he's been fantastic since he's came in, a great addition for this club. And he's a, just the type of midfielder you need to try and get everyone to pull up their sleeves, put in performances. And mm. I think he led by example tonight. I think he maybe could have done a little bit better in his overall play tonight. Um, and he has looked a bit fatigued in the last few games as well. But look, it's a 34-year-old, isn't he? It's not like it's a 26-year-old where he's full of energy and that it, he is coming to the later stages of his career. So we are going to see games where he is tiring, especially over this festive period where there's lots of games in quick concessions. Um, but no, you, you can't fault what he does on and off the pitch. And a point I wanted to bring up about Jake Livermore as well. You, you, you mentioned about how he was encouraging people after that, that challenge on Tom Deli Bashery. I really liked when it, his name got announced and they were saying that he was being substituted. He turned round, and I don't know if you picked this up watching at home when you were streaming it, but he went up to about four or five Watford players, encouraging them to say and to keep your heads and try and keep going in this game. And that was with about 15 minutes to go. Um, mm. So he, he knew he was coming off, but he wanted to make sure that everyone on that pitch knew their role, knew their responsibilities and to not let each other down because it, we was going to have to pull up our sleeves and we had to do that. So that's, that's what Jake Livermore brings to this team. And it's the character we've, we've lapsed over the last three, four years. Mm, I absolutely spot on, Ben. You like you followed up what I've said perfectly there, and uh, I didn't that the camera didn't pick that up, but it doesn't surprise me because Livermore's like that. I mean, the, the, there was a, a chance I think James Morris blocked it before Livermore got um, before Livermore got subbed off, and Morris sort of had to go down low to to block this shot, and I think he took a, a, a whack and maybe a bit of cramp. <laughs> John Morris couldn't even get up and Livermore shoved him to the ground and grabbed him and like was screaming in his face, like celebrating that Morris had blocked this. And that's just what players like Morris need though. They need yeah. someone that's got that experience. And Tommy Mooney actually made a great point tonight. When after the sending off, then he was worried that, you know, Livermore was going to be one of the first ones dragged because we saw uh, Ryovic and Kayembe come on. And, um, he said we, we could actually do with Livermore's experience to sort of hold on to a game like this and, and maybe even go for it even more. And yeah, I mean, week by week, he, he's just showing his worth even more. And it's just even more frustrating the fact that we could have signed him last season and what could he have done in that time? But, you know, I'm, I'm delighted to have him now. And yeah, he's, um, he's, he's a superb leader and, and someone, we've, someone we've missed since Troy Deeney's departure in yeah. leadership style. There's possibility that he was maybe brought off towards the end because he was on that yellow card, wasn't he? So yeah. maybe Val was like, we can't afford to go down to nine men. But then there was that point in that um, last 10 minutes when um, James Morris was feeling his hamstring and I thought, fucking hell, here we go. Down to nine <laughs> men, holding on. But it, luckily it wasn't. Mm. Yeah, yeah, massively lucky. And yeah, Livermore, uh, Livermore loves picking up a yellow card. I think that's, um, he's got, he got one. He last got one against Norwich. I think Cameron said actually the Bristol City game was a cut off, so they start again because before that he'd picked. Uh, I believe he was on four yellow cards, so he uh, he would have picked up a, a suspension because of the amount of yellow cards. But if Cameron is correct, then yeah, he um, 
he won't serve that ban because the cut-off was against Bristol City. Um, Pidge says, should have been 3-0 up before they equalised, but I'm hopeful for the second half of the season. And that's what we've said, you know, so wasteful. And it's it, it's been sort of the story of the season for Watford, you know, all these chances. And it's quite ironic, actually, because the man in the opposition dugout today will have seen that when he comes to Vicarage Road earlier in the season, Watford have all these sort of half chances, half chances, and not put them in the back of the net. And of course, I'm talking about the Plymouth game when Schumacher was managing Plymouth back then. You know, we 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 were by far the better team and just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. And as we showed against Blackburn, you don't have to dominate to be able to put the ball back in the net and pick up three points because that's what we did against Blackburn. And um, Lee Collins says, subs again were awful. I just don't understand them when we're attacking well and causing them problems. And he brings off the best players. I'm going to make a point about that in a minute. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we we, we did go 1-0 up. And unfortunately, um, there was an equalising goal 34 minutes in. Ryan May, I think, is, I think that's how it's pronounced anyway. Um, he was the man to equalise for Stoke to get his third goal of the season. And Ben, I think you mentioned it earlier, you touched upon it briefly. Tom Deli-Bashiru has been working his socks off and sort of taking any opportunity he can get to get into the starting eleven. But unfortunately, defensively, he doesn't quite fit the bill like Ryan Andrews does. And he probably a little bit to blame for this one, isn't he, Ben? Yes, he was. Um, sorry, I'm driving and I was trying to sort out my camera, uh, not my camera, my microphone, because I'm putting myself on mute so you can't hear all the background noise when you're speaking. And then I accidentally put the camera on, so apologies for that. Um, yes, um, Tom Deli at right back. It just doesn't work for me. I know it's an experiment that Val's been trying to work on. He's been working on it for a good few weeks now, but it, it, it's not working. I think everyone can see it's not working. And it, it's fair play to Tom. He's being asked to play out of position. And obviously, he wants the game time, doesn't he? So, he's going to do what's asked of him. Uh, he, he's given his best, but you can just see he's not cut out for it. So, he cost us maybe two goals against Bristol City with his positioning. Obviously, this is a new position to him. So, he's not going to understand the positioning that he needs to be in in his team. And he, he, I think he was caught out again tonight, Mike. I don't know if you agree with me, but... There was a ball over the top down the right-hand side and I, I think he got sucked in a little bit and he lost his man and then it, it was in the back of the net after he cut in and um, pulled it back for and made to put it into the back of the net. But it, it's frustrating to see. And like I said to you earlier, if, it, if Brian Andrews is fit enough to be on the bench, he's fit enough to start games for me. And I'd rather an actual right-back starting a right-back for Watford at the moment and, and not Tom Delhi. And that's nothing against Tom Delhi because as a professional, I think he's, he's a really good guy. I think he gives his absolute all. And that last 10, 15 minutes today when he was actually moved into the centre of the pitch, you could see what he can bring to this team. And he won a lot yeah. of fouls for us. He drive drives us up the pitch and he looked dangerous. And he got away from a couple of their players and he created good chances for us. That's what Tom Delhi can do to this Watford team. And I think we're going to see a lot of him in that midfield when Kiambi goes off on the African Cup of Nations. But Val, please, right now, stop playing him at right back because it's not working and it is costing the team. Yeah, yeah. And like you say, you know, I said Andrews was perhaps a bit poor against Bristol City and, you know, maybe would have dropped in if we had a suitable right back in, in place. And 
by suitable right back. I mean, Jeremy and Gakier, and he's not fit. So, as you say, if he's fit enough to be on the bench, then he, he should really be starting that game. So, um, yeah, it's, it is frustrating. And as you say, though, Delhi Bashiru, when he was moved into the centre of the pitch, was a, was a real breath of fresh air. I know he's sort of got his critics as well uh, as anyone else has in this team. And perhaps slows the game down a little bit too much, too much sideward, sidewards and backwards passing and everything like that. But um, I thought he actually did really well when he was moved into the middle. And hopefully, like you say, Ben, with Kayembe going off to the African Cup of Nations, uh, well, firstly, hopefully we're looking at a centre midfielder for that void uh, because the transfer window opens in three days, two, three days' time. Uh, and... Secondly, he could be the answer to uh, to the prayers. But we went into the break 1-1 at half-time and, you know, a real feel of, right, you know, OK, it's 1-1, but we, we're well in this game and we can we can easily get something out of this. And as I said in the first half, the amount of chances, that sort of continued in the second half. What didn't help, though, and I'm quite keen to get your view on this, and I know I'm, I'm asking you this and I've actually sent a video in our group chat of what happens, but just... At the time that it happened, Ben, the the red card for Vacuum Bio, I mean, real time, I didn't see it. You know, I just thought it was a coming together. You know, there was maybe a bit of a shove afterwards, nothing malicious. But upon the replay, it was Bio kicked out at him clearly. But I'm not just saying this. I don't think the referee has seen that. I think he's seen this McNally overreact. But what was your point of view when when it first happened see i i don't think it's from the kicking out i i did see that but the, the ref played on from that initial coming yeah. together and the tangling and 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 bio coming up and maybe kicking out and and if it is for that it's, it's absolutely ridiculous but what what I've, i i saw was that maybe nally went for his face straight away wasn't he um and went to the floor. So initial thoughts were, he's obviously been caught by a flailing arm or Boyer's tried to held him off. And if he is, then if if I'm being brutally honest, Bakun Bio is stupid. He saw mm. how the referee performed in that first half. He saw how he was throwing around cards left, right and centre. Do not raise your arms up and make it easy for the referee to send you off. And, OK, he didn't raise his hands up into his face. But from the video that you've shown me, it looks like his elbow's gone up into maybe the, the jaw of the player and mm -hmm. minimal contact. But he's made a meal out of this. And by him reacting and putting both hands to his face and falling to the floor, that's got the reaction out of the referee. And the referee was absolutely atrocious tonight. I think yeah. it's Scott Oldman he is. And we've spoken about the officials in the, the EFL lately and saying about how poor the standard is. Scott Oldman is by far the worst referee I've seen at Vickery Road this season. He could not control that game. He lost control of it. Um, but the, the, the fouls that he wasn't given to Watford was ridiculous. I think Martins had a shot up the Vickery Road end in the first half. And it was a clear deflection of the Stoke City player, and he didn't even end up giving it. He he was absolutely atrocious. So, Boyer just don't give him an opportunity to send you off in that bit. So, 
and you could see that Boyo, when when he was going off, he held his hands up and apologised to the fans. So he knows that he's done something completely wrong there. He's going to have to take this on his chin now. But what mm. scares me to death now, Mike, with this sending off is we've got Ryovich for the next three games. And we, we all know that like, everyone goes on Ryovich's back when he doesn't score. We talk about him saying, oh, he's always in the right areas at the right time to score these goals. But when he doesn't score, he's pretty much useless for this team. It's like playing with 10 men. So if yeah. we don't create chances for Ryanovic and for him to score the goals that we need in these next three games, then we we might struggle to score goals. Thankfully, one of these games is Chesterfield in the FA Cup. So that's not going to hurt us too much. No. We'll probably be making changes for that anyway. But the Plymouth are goal game. And if then is it is it QPR after that? They'll yeah. be the games that he's going to be missing. So they're big games to be missing away from home as well. So I'm I'm just I'm disappointed if anything. What what was your reactions about it? What what, what did you think of it? I mean, at the time, as I say, I didn't. I thought it was more a coming together, and then I thought I I I just saw the red card brandished. I was like, what the hell's going on there? And upon the replay, like I say, I I thought it was maybe he kicked out. Tommy Mooney pretty much said what you said. He knows what he's done wrong and he was stupid for doing it. Of course, that McNally, the, the one that was on the receiving end, was always going to make a meal out of it because, you know, the referee, I, I completely echo what you say, the referee was absolutely atrocious tonight. And I don't know if the FA are trying to fast-track referees at the moment. You know, we've seen uh, the referee we had at Leicester. Uh, he's been promoted to the Premier League. Uh, we've seen Rebecca Welch. She's she's been sort of fast tracked as well. It wasn't long ago she was uh, the first woman to referee in the championship, and now she's uh, she's done Premier League game as well. So I don't know whether they're. Trying I think to you're spot track. on with that as well, Mike. They are fast tracking them because that was only his third a game refereeing in the championship. So he he has massively been fast tracked up, and you could tell it it, it wasn't cut out for the standard of football. No, he uh, he's mainly, I'm just looking at his record this season, he's mainly done League One, League Two, and he's done a Football League trophy game as well, which is that stupid, the, the like under-21s of some Prem teams playing it. It's that Papa John's trophy. So he's done two of those games, and like I say, the majority are League One or League Two. We're the first championship game this season that he's done, and as you rightly pointed out, he did two last season, and like, you know, it wasn't long ago this guy was refing in the conference and now he's refing at the championship level. And listen, I, I've I've got no problem with them fast-tracking referees, but fuck me, don't put these boys up, man, because that was shocking tonight. And I, I don't even want to say that he was biased towards Stoke because I just thought he just lost complete control of the game. And he was poor I, overall, wasn't he? Yeah, and... and Look, don't get me wrong. I mean, it might contradict pretty much a lot of what I've just said, but some of the decisions he was making, one thing I will say in his case was he was letting the game flow. So these silly little fouls that you sometimes see given, and you know, like the, the professional ones that Jake Livermore is very good at winning, where he'll feel minimal contact and go down, and the referee wasn't giving them. And if, the, if he's not giving them both ways, that's fine. Let the game flow. I love it. Because there's nothing more frustrating if you've got the ball and you've pinned the man in the corner and he feels the tiniest bit of wind and he goes down on the floor 
the referee's going to give it nine times out of ten. And it's like, well, if we'd won the ball back there, we could have been in a real dangerous position. He's letting the game flow, but he completely lost control of the game in terms of, you know, lost complete respect from both both sets of players. And really disappointed with Bayer tonight. Um, I, I didn't see that he'd held his hands up as he was walking off. So, you know, that, that to me is an admission that he says he's, he knows he's done wrong. Um, just quickly to, to to move on, I know that there wasn't much to talk about in the second half, a bit wary of time as well. Um, the substitutions, as Lee Collins pointed out a minute ago, he thinks the subs were awful. Um, for me, Rajovic and Kayembe first come on when that red card happens and Martins and Kone were the ones to be pulled. And then later on in the game, as it sort of sort of maybe looked as if we were going to hold on to the point, when me, personally, I thought we had more than enough chances and got forward still. Um, we brought a spreer off for Andrews, Chat for Dadzi off, Livermore off, and then Pollock and Sierra out are on. Now, those last two, completely fine. Livermore was on a yellow, perhaps a bit tired. Chat for Dadzi looked absolutely knackered. It was his first start in God knows how long. But for me, why is he bringing a spreer off? Why is he bringing Martins off? Maybe Kone, I can understand. So why is he bringing Martins and Espera off? Like, I, I understand Ryovic is our top goal scorer and he's he's brought a striker on and he's thought, fuck it, we'll go for it. But why Martins? Bring a def- like, I, I just don't get it. Bring a midfielder off. You could have took one of them number eights off and, and stuck an extra striker on, no problem. So, I mean, what was your viewpoint on, on the subs tonight, Ben, as a whole? It's it's frustrating, isn't it? Because we're the home team, but we were down to 10 men. So, I can see why Val's done it. He's tried to protect not losing the game, hasn't he? Mm. Um, so, he thought he might go for a bit, little bit more defensive. And he's obviously put Ryan Andrews on the right-hand side. Because Martins, uh, Espria and Martins, they were tiring as the game went on. Um, and it, maybe he's got one eye on Plymouth our goal at the weekend as well. So it, it's a quick turnaround for Watford. So he, he obviously brought Ryan Andrews on and he went right midfield and you had that pace down the right-hand side. Um, so you still had the pace down there um, to replace Espria, but obviously you, you're missing the creativity. And with Georgie as well, Georgie, that's his first start. And he, he was never going to play 90 minutes tonight, was he? But... What would you have preferred if they did come off? Would you maybe have preferred maybe like a Torments to come on, like a out, like replaced with an out and out winger, um, someone who's going to be working hard? Because I think the subs when they came on, they all did a job. I thought they did all right. I think, um, yeah, you, you can't you can't complain with the players that came on that they all did a job. But yeah, maybe the personnel that came off, you could question. But then yeah, we're questioned I mean... for subs from Bell quite a lot this season, haven't we? But I honestly feel like he was just protecting what he had and he didn't want to walk away tonight with a defeat against um, his name. Yeah, and especially after Boxing Day, it's almost sort of stopping the stopping the bleed, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and stopping the rot a little bit. I know we've been on good form recently and I'm just looking at the subspence now and so many times we've, we've been on this podcast and said both, really. We've said Val subs you know, really impacted the game positively 
and then also Val subs really impacted the game neg- negatively. And, I don't think he know, had too much to play with tonight. Looking at that bench, either you had no Ken Semmer, you had no Reece Healy, um, you had Jack Greaves, Tom Ince, and Imran Loser and Backman. Obviously, they yeah. were the three that didn't come on. Now Imran Loser's got this sort of cloud over his head at the moment. Is he being a knobhead behind the scenes? Is he not? What's going on? Jack Greaves is a young lad. You know, it'd be harsh to throw him on in these circumstances when you sort of got one eye on protecting the, the draw that you've got and then maybe another little eye on, right, we could maybe win this. And then Tom Ince, for me, I, Tom Ince is someone that you can only really bring on if, if you're winning and you, you, you want to get him on to get minutes. And I think we maybe would have seen Greaves were, were we winning. Had had we not had the red card and maybe, you know, two, three, one up or whatever, we maybe would have saw him then, same with Ince. But, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose... It's probably the weakest bench we've had for a while, isn't it? And, and yeah. this is why it's important we're getting very close to January. It's only a few days away and we need mm. to bring in bodies now because tonight's showing of the bench, it looks quite weak. We look quite stretched with depth now. The depth isn't really fair now. We've picked up a few injuries. Ken Semmer was missing. Rutili was out. We got that injury to Jeremy and Gakia as well. And, and these options coming off the bench now, the quality of them isn't as good as they were a few weeks back, where they were changing the game. They were winning us games. Whereas tonight, it was a bit like, this is not too much fair tonight. Um, I hope we don't have to go to the bench to try and change the game or try and look for that winner. Um, so I Luckily, we've got the January transfer window in a couple of days' time, but we have also recently changed our technical director, haven't we? Stuart has gone, um, Jaluka Nani is in charge now. Mm-hmm. So, has that maybe stalled the progress of like recruitment? Like, how does that all work? Did Gioretta have like a little notebook of targets at what we were going after? Are all those targets out the window now because Nani wants to bring in his own men. Um, it, it's like, I don't think this has helped Watford in this January transfer window. Like, There's always something going on with Watford, isn't there, Mike? And we could have done with not this change of uh, technical director before this transfer window. Um, usually, you'd like it to happen maybe at the close season, straight after the end of the season, before the new season starts. You, you would maybe make that change now. But to make it during the season is... It's not good for Watford, and I understand it was all down to Gioretta. He he kind of wanted to leave that with his chance to move on for a new opportunity abroad, and that's what he wanted. And Watford just thanked him for his time and let him go. But I just mm. think it's left us in a bit of a sticky situation now. Like, are we going to be playing catch up to everyone else who was probably working on targets as soon as the summer transfer window closed? Now we're maybe couple of months behind everyone else and it, it might cost us and we might not get in as good of maybe targets that we were looking at originally. Yeah, and I, I understand what you're saying and I think, you know, we, we, we obviously saw that interview with Andrew French, with Slavin Bilic and he said, you know, when Manga come in, it really upset the apple cart and rocked it and, you know, the, they we were in a good position going into the World Cup break and then you know, manga comes in and everything's like, well, okay, this has changed. I did read one thing, which I think it was Lou Orns brought it up. He, he found a snippet from a an interview that Gianluca Nani did with Italian media saying, basically, are, are you going to be coming to Italy for 
for your, your January transfers. And he said he wants to delve into the English market. Now, the plus side of that, or the way that I'm certainly looking at it, is how many times have we picked up someone in the January transfer window who's English, knows the league, and has been phenomenal for us? Uh, to name a few, Sebastian Basong, Matthew Connolly, Ben Watson, Dan Gosling. You know, those sort of players that know the league, they can come in, they're like, right, you know the job at hand, you've been here, you've got the T-shirt, you know, you've done it, come and do that for us. A bit like Jake Livermore, you know, he's come in, he knows what to do, he's not daft, he's played in this league, he knows what he needs he, and he's doing the job at hand. So hopefully we can bring in those sort of tight players and if we if we do delve into the English market and that, that interview is accurate, then I'm more than happy to do it and... I just hope that we are proactive. I know you've just made a very good point, you know, has changing technical directors put us maybe a, a couple of steps back to everyone else because the transfer window literally opens in, in three days' time. And um, really, it would be nice to see a few players come in before that Chesterfield game on the 6th of Jan, uh, maybe even feature, who knows, just to get them hitting the ground running. But... Um, it's going to be interesting January transfer window because for me, I think we need I think we need a minimum of three. How many How many players would you say we need, Ben? I, I can't see us bringing in more than three, mm. and I don't think I, I, I think three is a good number to bring in. I think if you're bringing in maybe four, you don't really want to unsettle what you've got at the team and. At the at the club, and I think what Val's got, it's it's working. He just needs a few tweaks here and there. I don't think we're going to be changing the goalkeeper situation in January. I think that's going to be worked upon in the summer. I think he's quite happy with Ben Hamer and mm. Daniel Batman as as a backup keeper. So I think that situation's sorted. Would he bring in maybe a centre back as a backup to Wesley Hoot? I don't really see it as a priority, if, if I'm totally honest. I think we've we've got Siri Elta who can go in there. Yes, it's not left-footed, but I, I think we've got enough cut for centre-back. I think we've got Matty Pollock there as well, who's been picking up a lot of minutes lately off the bench, and that's only going to do him wonders as well. I, I think we definitely need a centre-midfielder, that, that's for sure. I think it, it, we're going to be especially very short in that area now with Kiembe going off on to the African Cup of Nations. Imran Luza potentially leaving as well. Um, we need a striker. We really yeah. need a striker. Yeah. Um, but ev every club's going to be looking for that 20-goal-a-season striker, aren't they? We potentially have a 20-goal-a-season in Ryanovic if we could maybe give him a bit more service or put it, put it on the plate for him. Like that chance in that second half today. He should have just, scored. He should have scored, but I think it was two two yards too too far out for him. Um, a six <laughs> yeah. yard box is absolutely fine. Eight yards out, United's going over. Um, so yeah, I think I think centre midfield, a, a striker. No, you know what? And a right back. I think the right back mm. area you, you've got to address. If if you're playing Tom Delhi at right back, you've obviously got issues in your team, and he's not giving full faith to Ryan Andrews. So I think right back, centre mid and a striker is, is a must this transfer window. What about you? Yeah, I, I striker definitely, centre mid and I'd go right back as well. I think Matty Pollock, 
and Francisco Sierra enough cover. We know that Val doesn't like his squad's too packed, so I can't imagine we'd, we'd try and bring any more centre-backs in. Uh, we, we hopefully have got adequate cover, and it would take a, a real, real bad sort of injury route to, to knock out both centre-backs, meaning that we'd only have two then to, to cover for them. Um, I wonder if the Pozzos might be tempted to bring Jao Ferreira back from his loan spell at Udinese. Um, yeah, that's an option. Uh, yeah, because I think, especially with Ngaki, I don't know how long they said he was out for, but if he's going to be out for a while, I think Val you know, would, would quite like to have a, an out-and-out right back and not have to rely on, on Tom Delhi as we've seen tonight. Maybe, and I'm I'm really pushing the boat out on this one, but maybe a left back. But uh, listen, I don't. It doesn't sound like. Hopefully, Lewis is going to be out for too much longer. And if Morris plays like he did tonight, I'm happy with him there. It's just yeah, if Morris needs to get injured. Yeah, I don't think we would need to look at the left back. I think obviously Ken Semmer wasn't there tonight, but he can play left left back yeah. as well, can't he? So I think we've got enough cover in that area. You've got probably three left backs there. You've got Lewis, you've got he just brought in, in in the summer as well. And I think it, it was a hamstring strain that he had. Um, and so he, he's potentially out for a while. But I think they're looking at the QPR game for his return. So he's not going to be playing in the Plymouth game or the Chesterfield game. So they're going to obviously wrap him up in cotton wool and hopefully he'll be available. Because I think he started 17 consecutive um, games for Watford in the um, in, in the league, so he's obviously built up a good relationship with Ken Semmer down that left hand side, and he he offers a lot for us going forward, and uh, mm. he does bring a lot of exceptions as well, which is what we we need at times as well. So yeah, I think left back must be pretty pretty safe. I don't think we we need to strengthen that area. Mm. If you're watching this back, or if you're listening, drop it in the comments. Let us know. Tweet us what you would do in terms of the January transfer window. What would you be your ideal positions to bring in? Maybe even realistic names before anyone starts saying Messi and Ronaldo and all this. Um, but yeah, I, I think that pretty much about, about covers it tonight. We uh, A hard-fought 1-1 in the end. I think Stoke were really knocking on the door at the end. Hamer made a good couple of saves as well. You know, he's continuing to follow that script. I know he had a bit of an off day against Bristol City on Boxing Day, but he's more than kept us in games in recent weeks and that continued tonight. So I'm more than happy for him to, to continue in goal. Um, Plymouth up next on Monday, on New Year's Day. I don't know what we're doing yet in terms of recording a podcast, but um, I'm, I'm sure when we know, you guys will know. Um, but yeah, we'll... Um, We'll hopefully be back after the Plymouth game. Thank you very much for watching this evening uh, or listening to the podcast version. Don't forget, if you like the video, then don't forget to drop it a like down there. Hit subscribe and uh, leave us a review on your podcast platform that you listen, whether it's Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, Amazon Podcast. You can leave a review on there and uh, it helps a lot more than you think. But yeah, um, thank you for tuning in tonight, everyone. Uh, keep the faith and come on, you horns. Sports Social Podcast Network.